Hello, I'm Joshua Groisberg, a history enthusiast. And I'm Jacob Friedman, founder of People's Big News. And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful analysis and maybe some comedy along the way. Uh, we'd like to welcome Amir Yihia uh, from Haifa, Israel, and a good friend of ours. Amir, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So our first question mm-hmm. is, what is your general political ideology? What issues are you most invested in? Right. So I'll split this question into three um, main topics. First of all, I'll treat it as a economic uh, ideology. Um, I identify myself as a social democrat, as a uh, much like Bernie Sanders. I, I follow a lot of politics in the United States, although not being really involved. In general, I define myself as a leftist. I do follow both economical and both general politics in the United States. And here in Israel, I'm a leftist too. And uh, I mean, you can say like uh, identity politics, which is the second part, which uh, whether it involves Black Lives Matter or anything that comes up in your news, since it is bombarded in our news too. And the third part is Israeli politics, which I define myself as a leftist. How do you feel about the US-Israeli relationship in its current form? In its current form, I think it is problematic. I think the United States gets involved in many states, in many affairs around the world, which it may or may not have business in. Um, I think the United States does help and does uh, good moves are acquired with the United States help, whether it's um, historical peace agreements uh, with United States presidents uh, being there or assistance or money that we, we did need in order for to sustain our existence. If, if I can um, define myself as a Zionist, I can't deny and I can't ignore the help throughout the years from 48 up until now of the United States administrations, whether it's, whether it's a lot of support or little support, it, it's, it's been something. I think it's important the United States helps Israel. I think it's in its current form and specifically uh, the Trump administration was slightly problematic. Say more. Yeah, I think currently, I mean, currently the Corona pandemic is the main issue uh, in the news and in general, but mainly the thing in our politics is to differ from your uh, political system. Um, It focuses mainly on the on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, um, which is has been a problem even before Israel was founded. So some moves were made in that subject, for example, moving the embassy, which is something actually before I even, before I knew you were gonna ask me about, I, I was actually gonna talk about it. Uh, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, in my opinion, is actually a bad move, but the involvement of the Trump administration in these things, I think is problematic as it, it deepens the complexity of the issue. It doesn't help with solving it, really. So what do you think the Biden administration should do to uh, better fix the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? Um, in, in my opinion, as a leftist, as an Israeli leftist, I believe 
the annexation solution is, uh, is impossible, all right? It's, it's something a lot of people believe should be done, that Israel should annex the West Bank, probably Gaza Strip, but that's less talked about. Mainly, I'll focus mainly on the West Bank. Um, I think the annexation is impossible, as you, you shouldn't and you can't annex that, that much land and these much people without either hurting their human rights or hurting uh, Israel's Jewish identity and Jewish, um, yeah, Jewish identity. Uh, I think if the Biden administration wants to help achieve uh, peace in the Middle East, I think uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's recent, you can call it peace agreements, although not really being peace agreements with countries we were in war with, uh, I think the Biden administration should still encourage these types of peace agreements. I think the Biden administration should um, offer to negotiate with the Palestinian leadership. And for example, uh, I think the deal of the century, is that the, the name Trump, uh, Trump named the, his deal, I think? I believe, I believe so. And just for context, other deals with other foreign nations, you are referring to the Abraham Accords. Um, say with UAE and Morocco and... Um... Yeah, 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 these, okay. exactly. Um, which are actually a part of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's current campaign. I mean, it receives a lot of criticism as these are not truly peace agreements. We weren't in war with any of these countries, but that's for a different topic. It's, it, it is important as these countries boycotted us um, from 48 and... It is important that the Muslim world and the international world should more recognize Israel as a legitimate country and not as just occupiers and violators of human rights, which is, again, something very important that should be dealt with, but it should go both ways from, from both sides. Anyway, I think the deal of the century that Trump offered, although being a, an effort to make some kind of peace and some kind of progression in this conflict, uh, was a very bad deal, was a deal that, in my opinion, uh, wouldn't go well in the first place and shouldn't have been offered as it's, I, I think, a bit disrespecting to the Palestinian uh, leadership. I think they got it as they feel the Trump administration sides only with Israel and they don't care about the Palestinian people at all. Therefore, uh, offering a deal that isn't really helping the Palestinians as they create little bubbles that Palestinians live in, where they lose a lot of farmland, where they lose a lot of economic wealth and potential economic gain and all kinds of natural resources. So I don't think that agreement would go well in any circumstance, but it is, it is important that the Biden administration does some steps. So I'm, I'm gathering from all of this that you do not support Netanyahu. Mm -hmm. I don't support Netanyahu, not because he's a rightist. I think um, many people who are right-wing uh, politicians uh, in Israel are intellectuals. Even even the most far right-wings, for example, uh, Bezalel Smotrich, uh, he's a man who I completely disagree with him on any level, but he's one of the most educated people I know in, in the Israel politics. Benjamin Netanyahu, I don't support him because his politics involves not only keeping the status quo and not progressing towards anything, not towards peace agreements, not towards any kind of development in the most important subject in the country, 
but also he is manipulating the political system in his favor, which is something really that troubles me and a lot of leftists and a lot of rightists too. I mean, I have many right-wing friends who are coming with me protests as he is considered not only corrupt, but he, he just he created a lot of um, antagonism uh, to people who don't, who don't support him, therefore creating really, really strong political uh, polarization. And can you explain, brief explanation for our listeners who aren't in the know, how the election is supposed to work? To differ a lot from uh, the United States political system, we have much more than two parties, well, three parties if you include the, doesn't really matter. Anyone can create his own party. Uh, anyone can compete in the elections. Uh, every single person who runs for prime minister uh, has to present a list of 120 people who will potentially fill out the Knesset, which is the government itself. Obviously, not everyone gets 120 seats because that just isn't possible. That would be 100% of the votes. You take the amount of votes in general to everyone and divide it by 120. Each uh, one part of these 120 is a seat in the Knesset and is considered one mandate. In order for a party to get into the Knesset, it needs at least four seats which is around, I think, 120,000 votes, something like that. Most parties don't uh, pass this, uh, this amount of votes. There are a lot of, a lot of uh, different parties who are small, who no one knows about them. Uh, and it's all about really money. I mean, if you don't have the money to fund, to fund yourself and your campaigns, you won't be known, you won't be voted for. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, who has been in the Likud, the strongest party I think for over 15 years has around 30 seats, which means a quarter of all registered voters vote for Likud, which is a lot. Currently he is uh, slightly less than a quarter. He's around 26, 27, 28. Uh, in the last election, uh, Benny Gantz, his uh, strongest opponent got around 28, 29 with the Likud having 30, which means um, they both need uh, to create a government, but they can't. Uh, with the last elections, they, they, both, they both couldn't build one government. So they had, although being very, very opposite to each other, as Benny Gantz, his entire campaign was, we will not sit with Benjamin Netanyahu as he is corrupt, as he is this, as he is that. And still he went with him in order to create a temporary government with rotation a year and a half for Benjamin Netanyahu and then a year and a half for Benny Gantz, which most of the public saw as Benny Gantz lying to his voters. His entire campaign was, I will not sit with Benjamin Netanyahu. And then he sits as, um, as a poor and small and even a little pathetic hope for being president instead of Benjamin Netanyahu, who has been prime minister for almost 14 years. It was obvious to me and to many other people and I don't know how a quarter of the, of the registered voters didn't see it, that Benjamin Netanyahu will collapse the government before Benny Gantz ever reaches a year and a half in and gets to become prime minister. In terms of what you're projecting for this specific election, previous Israeli elections, neither the Likud or Kaholo Vaban, the party of uh, Gantz, 
have been able to form a coalition to get the majority of the seats in the Knesset and the parliament to really form a government. Do you think that in this specific election cycle, one of the parties will be able to form a coalition and make a government? Uh, I do not, actually. Uh, the Likud is getting bigger as although Benjamin Yahoo's um, performance is uh, with the protests and with the corona pandemic up until the vaccines, as Israel is the most vaccinated country in the world, um, up until the vaccines, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu didn't get any kind of support. He almost got around 23, 24 seats, which is an, like a 10-year a low for the party. So it wasn't obvious if he could form a coalition, but the thing now is not really a right-wing, left-wing thing. It's more either you sit with Benjamin Netanyahu or you don't. And most parties uh, don't agree to sit with Benjamin Netanyahu either because they never agreed to, uh, to it or because uh, they're sick of him. For example, Tikva Hadasha, New Hope by uh, Gidon Sao, who is a former Likud member, went out of the Likud and formed his own party just because he wouldn't sit with Benjamin Netanyahu because he thinks he is corrupt and he thinks the Likud ma manipulates and exploits both his voter fans and, and, and the political power it gets um, just to sustain one person's uh, political position. In terms of a coalition, I don't think Benjamin Tineo will be able to form a coalition as he's dependent on maybe three or four other parties because every other party uh, isn't willing to sit with him at all. The other parties are, in my opinion, um, from two sides of the political map. You have Gidon Sao and Naftali Bennett, who are very right-wing, even more right-wing than Netanyahu himself, um, with other um, political parties, such as Meretz and Ha'avodah, which are very left-wing. And without each other, they wouldn't ever form a coalition. So either you get a coalition of Benjamin Netanyahu, which barely gets 61 seats, which is the, which is the needed amount of seats for, uh, to form a coalition, which probably now, actually I've just seen the news, he might get 61, but the, the chances are slim. Or you get a coalition, a very unstable coalition of people from different worlds and different ideologies who will just probably collapse the government after a few months. So you're saying an anti-Netanyahu um, coalition is doomed to fail. And if Bibi doesn't get it, Israel's gonna have a, yet another election. In my opinion, yeah. I mean, I've seen now some, I've seen a debate of some political interpreters in the, in the news. They say it might work. It really depends on how many seats each, uh, each party gets. For example, Benny Gantz, the one who got almost 30 seats, now gets four or five. And there's a big chance he won't even get four, meaning he won't even get into the Knesset. And that is very bad news because even people who don't support Benny Gantz realize that if he gets three seats, for example, that's 90,000 votes thrown in the trash, burned. For example, um, Meretz and Benny Gantz and uh, Ra'am, which is a, a Arab party, they all have a quite a big chance this election to not pass the, the three seats, therefore wasting a, a, a very big amount of uh, votes to the anti-Netanyahu coalition. 
But even so, I think it's a very unstable coalition. And I don't think they'll last very long if this kind of coalition ever, ever gets up. So neither two options are stable. And the left is non-existent. The center is either dead in the water like Gantz or highly ineffectual like Lapid. Is there a way out of this? Is there another emer- emergency government to take hold? Do you, do you see a way out of this? Um, I think that um, too many people uh, three months before the election, four months before the, ele- before the elections, um, after Benigant's, uh, you can say, betrayed the people who voted for him. I don't think he betrayed, but it's, a, it's some harsh words. But I think many people feel that they have the obligation and, and some kind of, of cause to run for, for prime minister and like save the, save the politics, save the country. And many people, especially on the center left, which is naturally opposing to Netanyahu, um, split up too much. For example, Meretz and Havodah, they, they could have been one party. It wouldn't necessarily bring them more votes. I think, I think it will. But so many um, little parties, for example, Benny Gantz, he could have just quit. If he would have quit, those 90,000 votes would have went to Yair Lapid, for example. If, if a different coalition is uh, built, Yair Lapid will probably be the president, as he, as of now, gets 21, 22 seats, which is the biggest uh, party after Netanyahu. If Yair Lapid is is fitting to be a prime minister. I really don't know. I want to believe he does, but I, I don't think so. He hasn't proved himself and he is, uh, I mean, he's still a better option than for example, many guns or anything, but we don't really have another option. In my opinion, either Netanyahu gets 61 votes, 61 seats, which is a coalition with the Likud, the most extreme Jews, which is Yadud uh, Torah and Shas, uh, which represent uh, the most the most right wing uh, parties and Atzionuta uh, Dotit, which is a party which I have a really big issue with, for representing a lot of uh, racism, a big a big portion of a part of this party were actually cancelled from the Knesset and cannot run for the Knesset because they uh, you can say called for racism and called for violence. Um, I think a coalition of that would be dangerous. And I don't think Netanyahu really cares who will be in his coalition. As of now, Naftali Bennett is the only politician who um, didn't say for sure he wouldn't sit with Netanyahu and he might sit with Netanyahu. Either way, he needs to sit with extremists. And um, I think that would be dangerous for the country. Furthermore, uh, if Netanyahu doesn't get 61 seats, I think we'll just go for fifth election and it will be solved for, from, from whatever. I mean, anything, anything can come out. Uh, suddenly, maybe another variant of the coronavirus and uh, will, will rise. As of now, uh, the skies are open. Anyone can just come in and come out. Uh, another variant will attack. Maybe the vaccine won't be effective. Netanyahu will get lesser votes, anything can happen. I really don't know. Uh, but as of now, I think no one will, uh, I mean, I hope there will be a coalition, but I don't think there, there is a chance for a stable coalition uh, in the current uh, political system, right, as of now. 
Are there any last words that you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, I'll, I'll go back to the uh, United States-Israel uh, subject, where a lot of people are actually, even, even leftists, people who, who don't support Trump, um, don't want Biden in the, in the presidency, as they believe Trump, as a, a bad president as he might be to the United States people, uh, he's a very good president in terms of Israeli connections. Uh, which is something a lot of people uh, strongly believe. I think he is good, but I think there is something um, much more important we should look at, which is exactly Trumpism. I think Trumpism is in a lot of ways very similar to uh, Bibism. I mean, I can see, I can see very, a lot of similarities between Trump and Bibi and their way to control the media and control the people that, who support them. And I think that by um, even impeaching Trump, which didn't work uh, in the end, uh, but by showing that Trumpism is blindly following a man who might not be a greater leader as fans might think, is a great example for people here in Israel to realize that Bibism is not, is not a good thing too. Bl- blindly following after a leader is never a good thing. But I think after Bibi and after Trump are pretty similar things. And I think if the Bibism here ends somehow, and I hope through the end of Trumpism, but that probably won't work, um, I think that will actually reflect on the elections. I think a lot of people will, re- will realize uh, who they want to vote for and why they're voting for it. I think that will help a lot. Well, um, Amir, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's been a pleasure to have you. Uh, No problem. It's been a pleasure. And that concludes this episode of Gen Zero's Talk Politics. Be sure to join our Discord server, follow us on Instagram at Gen Zero's Talk Politics, and on Twitter at Gen Zero's Talk Poly, with an I, and add or email us to ask your burning questions. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time.